Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online as well. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, Isn't it, uh, aren't you enjoying the start of summer? And uh, yeah, great weather that we're having. Actually, it looks like uh, here in the next few days, uh, it'll get a little bit warmer. But it has been interesting as we get towards the end of the year. Uh, I know that, uh, I don't know if you are, but man, I'm looking forward to summer. And at City Walk, what we do during the summer is we, we really don't ramp down during the summer, but we actually ramp up a little bit with some of our favorite events. And uh, we have, if you didn't know already, uh, we do a sports camp once a year. Uh, and we've done it, this will be our third year, and last year we had a few, I think a little over 100 kids participated, uh, and this year we are going to do two of them simultaneously. We're going to do one in Edgewater, and we're going to do one uh, at Sam Brennan Park in Yuba City, same place we've done it before, and so, man, we're excited about that. It's going to be a great opportunity for all of us to minister to hopefully uh, about 200 kids during that week. Uh, And so what we're going to do in order to prepare for that is in a couple weeks, right after the church service, we're going to have a short interest meeting for sports camp. So if you're like, you know what, I'm not sure about sports camp, I haven't participated, or man, I have in the past, but I'd be interested in finding out, hey, what what might I be able to do to help? It's going to take about 80 volunteers to pull this off. We've got teams coming in from around the country to help. But man, come May 21st, right in the fellowship hall, short meeting where you'll be able to find out a little bit more about what sports camp's going to be and maybe where you could uh, kind of move into and, and just help in, in some small ways. And so uh, it's going to be a good time. So May 21st, we'll remind you uh, next week as well. So, and by the way, next week, if you didn't know, is Mother's Day. Some of you are like, oh, I'm glad I came to church today because I didn't remember that. So you may want to get a card out to mom, all that stuff. That's important. Uh, But yeah, next week is Mother's Day. uh, And so we'll have a good time. We're going to have some cupcakes after church to celebrate our moms. So more sugar. It's going to be a good time. Uh, With this time of year, you know, when you get Mother's Day and, and we start talking about some summer stuff, probably a lot of you, like our family, a lot of our evenings this time of year are going to the, the recitals and the graduations and the, the plays. We, a lot of us, were at a play last night, uh, and you probably have been too. You, you go see your, your nephew, your niece, your kids, your grandkids, the different things that they're involved in. And this past Tuesday, uh, we went to Kate, my daughter, had a recital. And so she had a recital at 1.30, and then she was going to be in a play that evening. And so we went to this recital. Kate has never played the piano before, and so, man, this was kind of her first recital. She had been just practicing Ode to Joy, and like, 
the short version of it, but she was ready for it. And, and I, when I got to the recital, uh, she, I looked at my daughter, and it was very evident, because she was there before me, it was very evident that she was very nervous. You know, people that you love, when you look at them and you know they're nervous, like you can tell, maybe other people can't tell, but man, it, I looked at her and she was so nervous. And I was nervous for her. You know that feeling if you have somebody that's going to do it. I was so nervous for her. I'm like, Lord, help her. Help her to touch the right keys, Lord. Help her, to, you know, just praying for her. And her turn came. She gets up there. And she starts going, and, and she's doing pretty good. And, and again, it's the short version, so it's like the 30-second version of a five-minute song. So she's banging the keys out, and, and she, she finally finishes. And then, the, then the, the, her teacher, who's right by her, says, Hey, Kate, do, do you want to take a bow? <laughs> Kate's like, No, I want to get off the stage. I'm, I'm out. And, and she was so nervous. But here's what happened, and, and you've experienced this yourself, or you've seen people you love experience this. As soon as she was done... She went to sit down, and it was like the old Kate was back. The weight of her recital, the butterflies, the nervousness. She wasn't nervous about her play. She, she's a goose in her play. I mean, that was like easy to do. She was nervous about her, but she was a totally different person because she didn't have those butterflies and that nervousness and, oh, I hope I don't mess up. And, and you've experienced that. We all have. And we've all experienced that. If you're a baseball player, the first at bat of the game. If you, man, you, you, when you went to school, it was the, the first day of school, that, 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 that feeling in your stomach that everybody has, the, the first day you start that new job. Some of, some of you guys in this, young guys, this, this season is that few minutes before you ask her to the prom feeling. You're like, I think she's going to say yes, but man, if she says no, it's going to get ugly. And it's that those feelings and those butterflies, or it might be the, hey, the, the boss scheduled a meeting with you and it wasn't a planned meeting and you don't know what the meeting's about. And he's like, tomorrow we're going to have this meeting. And it's just this feeling. And, and we've all felt it. It's that, that we call it butterflies. We might call it nervousness, but here's the good thing. And we know this just like with Kate, it usually goes away. So after the recital's over, after that first at bat is done, man, you start school and you're a week or two into school and those butterflies and that nervousness, it doesn't stay with you, which is a good part of it. But for some of us, if we're honest, we have something a little bit deeper that does stay with us. And for some of us, man, this feeling, it's much bigger than butterflies and it's that pit in your stomach that you wake up with, you go to bed with, that anxiousness that you feel throughout the day. And it's, and it's not something that you, you want to have, but you find it just kind of weaves itself. It's always with you. And it's not butterflies before you, know, you do something new. It's, it's something that for you just is part of your, it just kind of lives with you. And you really don't know your life without waking up in the middle of the night being nervous or worried. You don't, you don't know your life without feeling anxiousness and, and not even really knowing why you're feeling that anxiousness and, and, and dealing with worry and just the weight of worry. For, for some, maybe you're watching online, it, you, don't, you don't even know a day without that. And it's not something you like and, and you, you don't obviously want it, but it's just something that you 
have. And, and if we're honest, we do things to try to get rid of it. I mean, we, 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 we feel this nervousness, this worry, this anxiety, and so we, we try to eat it away. We, we try to smoke it away. We, we try to work it away. If I just work more, work more, be busier, be busier, we, we try to drink it away. And we all have a couple places that we go. We all have a couple distractions that maybe are your personal favorite distractions that, that, when, that you go to for hopefully a little bit of relief or to take your mind off of it. And you know it's probably not a healthy thing to go to, but, but we all have those kind of pet distractions that we go to to try to get a little bit of relief from that worry, from that anxiousness, from that anxiety. And yet at the end of the day, it's still there, which is why today we want to ask ourselves a question that maybe you've asked, maybe you've thought, maybe you're thinking this question right now. And the question is simply this, why can't I stop worrying? Like what, what, what do I got to do? Is it always have to be this way? Do I always have to live with this anxiousness, this anxiety, this worry? What can I do to get rid of it? Why can't I stop worrying? And maybe you've not asked it in the exact same way, but you've thought it, you've wished it would go away. You don't want it, but it's there. And there, there was a guy, and, and, you, and you, if you've been around church, or even if you weren't in, haven't, didn't grow up in church, you probably heard of this guy. His name is Paul. And Paul was a guy that for uh, the first part of his life was actually an opponent of Jesus. He was not a fan of Jesus. He tried to really take out people and stop people that were followers of Jesus. He was really tenacious about it. But then he met Jesus himself, and it changed everything for him. And he actually became a powerful tool just in the early church to, to move the message of Jesus forward. And, and he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And the letter that we want to look at that he wrote, uh, the one we want to look at today, is a letter that he wrote to some of his friends in a city called Philippi. This is a church that he had helped start. And then a few years after he helped start this church, in about AD 61, he writes a short letter to some people that honestly, if Paul had a favorite church, Philippi and the, the people at the church at Philippi, man, they, they might have been his favorites. Because he was actually writing them a letter to do two things. The main thing he wanted to do in this letter was he wanted to thank them. Because they had made sacrifices to help him in his ministry and had just been such a friend to him. But then what he did is as he's writing this letter to thank them, along with saying thank you, he also used this opportunity to encourage the church as a church, but to also deal with some individuals and to encourage and help some individuals. And so in chapter 4 of this letter, which obviously when he wrote it, it wasn't broken in chapters, but we've broken it down. If you open your Bible to chapter 4, or you'll see it up on the screen or it's in the app, we're going to look at chapter 4, and in this chapter, Paul, he writes and really sheds some light on why we worry and what some of the solutions could be. He says this in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, he says this, he says, so then... My dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, 
my joy and crown. So when Paul's talking about a crown, what he's picturing is he's picturing a a victor's crown that's awarded to an athlete. And so basically what he's doing is, man, he's, he's telling these people, man, you are a treasure to me. You're my joy. You're my crown. Paul was so excited to see people move forward in their relationship with Jesus. And he was so excited for this church. And he loved these people dearly. He wanted nothing more than to see them follow Jesus closely. And so he, he starts this portion of the letter by just reminding them how, how special they are to him. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, in this manner, stand firm. That, that, that idea of standing firm is the idea of steadfast. It's the idea of a, sh- a soldier that's standing and that's, that's firm and standing firm. He, he says, man, I, I love you. I love you. You're special to me. He says, I want to encourage you to continue to stand firm, to continue to be steadfast in the Lord, dear friends. And so he starts this portion by, man, and Paul was good at this. He was an encourager. He was one of those guys that, man, he could encourage you, but then he could also come and just be real honest with you and and tell you the truth in some areas of your life and try to help you. And, And he's encouraging them. He's telling them, hey, you're so special to me. I'm excited for you. You're moving forward in your relationship with Jesus. You're you're a joy to me. Continue to stand firm. And then what he does is he begins to poke around a little bit in the next verse. So he tells him how much he loves him, tells him he wants to see him encouraged and, and continuing to move forward. But then what he does is it's, it's going to get a little awkward in this next phrase, because remember, they're reading a letter. They're probably in a, a living room or a little house on a Saturday or Sunday night when they would have church. Hey, and we got a letter from Paul, so let's read the letter Paul wrote us. And so they're, they're all kind of leaning in in this part, man. Oh, Paul, such an encourager to me. And then in the next phrase, he starts to poke a little bit because he wants to see him move forward in some areas. He says this. He says, I urge Euodia and I, I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So a little awkward moment in the living room because both these ladies are probably sitting right there. And they, they didn't know Paul was going to actually call him out by name, but he, he basically, he, he calls out two ladies by name. And, and he says, I, I urge you to, to take care of your disagreement. You, you have a relationship with God. These ladies had, had been an important part of this church, and, and we don't know exactly what the disagreement was, but, but Paul says, hey, I urge you, and he calls out their name so they know who they are to, to get this taken care of. But then what he also does is he invites the other people in the church to to be part of helping these godly ladies reconcile over whatever issue they're facing. And he says this in verse 3, he says, says, yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side. I want you guys to help these ladies. They have been on the front lines for this church. They've been helping get the message of Jesus out. These are are godly ladies. I want you to help them along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. As much as we 
try to pretend that we don't care what people think about us and that having an issue with somebody else doesn't impact us is simply not true. In our kind of society, it's a, hey, we want to, we want to pretend like, hey, if they say something about me or somebody doesn't like me, that's I, I, no problem. That, their opinion's not that important to me. Or, or we want to pretend that, man, you know what, this, this issue that, that I'm having with this person, oh, I'm, I'm not worried about that person. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do me. And, and, and we try to pretend that it doesn't have an effect on us. But, but here's the thing. If you're in a season of anxiousness and worry, it would be good to evaluate your relationships. You, you might say, Chris, but I'm, I'm not worried. Like the, the source, the thing that I'm worried about isn't, has nothing to do with the relationship. <clears throat> Maybe it doesn't. But here's what I found. When I have a relational issue with somebody, it seems to reach into other areas of my life. Here, let me give you an example. And, and we all get this. It's why we went off on our kid for leaving their bike in the driveway like they killed someone. It was never about their bike in the driveway. It was about the issue we had with our coworker that day that has us on edge, that has us anxious, that has us making mountains out of mohills in other areas of our life. It's that anxiousness that we feel that, man, we're not, I mean, we obviously we don't want to run over our kid's bike, but it's not that big of a deal. But we went off on our kid like they killed somebody. And it had nothing to do with them. It was because, man, we have this issue with our, our spouse or we have this issue with somebody at work. And, and this, this unresolved issue is something in, in our life. And it, what it does is it makes us anxious and worried and it affects all these other areas of our life. And so things that normally would just kind of roll off our shoulders, they become these big deals and we go off on people and it's all because of a relational issue that's causing this underlying anxiousness or anxiety. We get this, and Paul talks about it. He, he talks about, he, he kind of delves into more of this relational aspect, and it's, it's something that a lot of times we overlook. We, we overlook this. We, we, we think of our worry about basically about the thing we're actually worried about, but we don't, maybe don't look to, hey, what else in my life is, is causing this, this foundation that has me so anxious that makes me worry about this and this and be nervous about this? And normally those things wouldn't even bother me. But because I have a relational issue with somebody, something that hasn't been addressed, it's affecting me. Paul, he goes on. He says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he's like, hey, if you didn't hear it the first time, I'll say it again. Rejoice. And, and here's what he's saying. He's saying, don't rejoice in people. They're going to let you down. Don't rejoice in, don't, don't put your joy in circumstances because circumstances are going to go up and down. And if, if anybody knew about this, Paul understood I mean, Paul had gone through so much, and he understood what it was like to have joy that was not dependent on circumstances or people. It found its source in his relationship with his heavenly Father. And he says, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And then he goes on, and he says this next verse, and we, we, this is a verse we kind of sometimes skip over. 
We, we just kind of read through it to get to the next few verses, but it's an important verse. And for some of you, it's the reason you're so anxious all the time. He says this, he says, let your graciousness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. When he's talking about graciousness and gentleness, that it, let it be known to everyone. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, there's an attitude that wants what's best for other people that's not out looking to retaliate always. Man, let your graciousness and your gentleness be known to everyone. Let your attitude of, hey, I want what's best for you. I'm not always looking to retaliate. Let that gentleness, that graciousness, let, let it be known to everyone because the Lord is near. And here's the thing. And maybe this person is sitting beside you, so don't poke them if, if, you, if they are. But if, if you know a person that, is always, that always thinks someone is out to get them, and they never give people the benefit of the doubt, they're always the person at the table that wants to see the manager. You, you know, I mean, you love them, but you don't want to go to the store with them. Like, you, you love them to death, but you're going to sit at a different table if you go to a restaurant, if you have your choice. Because there's always somebody after them and they take everything personal and they, there's always a, a reason that people don't like them and there's you know, th this kind of attitude and it's this, this I'm going to get somebody back and they did me wrong and I got to make this right. And if you know a person like that, that person is probably anxious a lot and most likely worries about stuff they don't need to worry about. But on the other hand, if you find someone that is gracious that believes in people and really wants God's best for them, then you probably found someone that lives with more peace than most people. And I think Paul was one of those people. That Man, he was a guy that his graciousness and his gentleness was known. He, he gave people the benefit of the doubt. He, his greatest joy was when he saw someone else move forward in their walk with Jesus. He wasn't this guy that was always somebody out to get me and, oh, somebody did me wrong and so I got to do them wrong. It just wasn't about that. And because of that, Paul was able to have peace in the midst of times where, man, he should have been anxious. And in any, any other scenario, and anybody else that was there, you'd be like, man, you, you probably should have been nervous in that situation. I would have been worried if I was maybe going to get killed or I was sitting in jail. I was about to be stoned. I mean, that would probably cause some issues. But Paul was a guy that was able to have peace and be content and some really tough circumstances. And I think a big part of it was that he was this type of person. He was a gracious person. He was a gentle person. He wanted the best for people. He wasn't always worried about, yeah, somebody's coming after me or somebody's trying to stop me or I got to get somebody back. And, and what he does after he kind of talks about these relational issues, which are a big part of why we're anxious what he does next is he begins to talk about our thinking. And he says this. He says in verse 6, he says, don't worry about anything. Basically, that, that word worry, it's the same like be anxious. It's this idea of being pulled in two different directions. And just the conflict that that causes kind of inside of you. 
from a spiritual perspective, worry is, is wrong thinking and wrong feelings about circumstances, people, and things. And, and you hear Paul say this, like, don't worry about anything. You're like, of course you're going to say that, Paul. Or you're Paul. You're supposed to say that. Like you wrote half the New Testament. Of course you're going to say that. But man, that's a lot easier said than done, Paul. And Paul, I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous. And here's the thing. It, yeah, it might sound ridiculous, but Paul was a guy that understood this maybe better than anybody. Because literally as he's writing this, he's probably dragging a chain across a table to write this because he's in prison. He's sitting next to a door that at any moment could be filled with a soldier that was going to take him out to behead him. So if anybody understood and could relate with man, a reason to worry and be anxious, Paul's not saying this from like a, a tower where he doesn't experience this. He's saying this in the midst of, man, a really tough time in his own life where he's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to die. That's where Paul's writing when he says, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Paul's writing from a place where he could have been very anxious. He understood. And, and he goes on and he says, instead of worrying, instead of being anxious, instead of being pulled in different directions, he says this, but in everything. You mean the big things? Like the, the, the big stuff? No, no, no everything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God instead of worrying here's what Paul says instead of worrying pray about just the big stuff Paul no 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 instead of worrying about anything when that worry comes in, turn that into prayer. And here's the thing. Worry changes nothing. Prayer can change everything. And don't we know this? I mean, I mean, even Jesus, he said it this way. He said, he said, I mean, can you add one day to your life by worrying? Like if I just would like take my worry up a couple levels, maybe I could add a couple weeks to my life. If I could just maybe eat some spinach like Popeye and just like get a little stronger in this worry issue, then I think I could add some money to my bank account. Now, of course, we, we know this. Like we know that worry, worry changes nothing. It actually makes things worse. And we know that. And we, we know this too, that, that prayer, because we've seen it happen. And if you're new to faith or maybe you're investigating faith, maybe you'd say, I haven't seen that, Chris. But for those of you that are followers of Jesus, we've seen this. We could spend all afternoon just passing a microphone around and say, man, how has prayer changed things? And we would, we would be able to just share story after story. And so Paul says, he says, instead of worry, pray and pray with the heart of gratitude. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Man, man, part of our prayers should be a time of just, hey, man, what, what could I be thankful for? What has God done? Big and small. Big and small. One, this morning, I have a, a little kind of in my notes thing on my iPad where I do my quiet time in the morning. 
have a prayer list, and I have a Bible study note, and then I have a gratitude note. And what I do is I just try to go in there, you know, once or twice a month and just jot down things that I've seen God do. And so this week, uh, we went to, some of you saw this, you've already talked to me about this, we went to the Thrive Conference in, at Bayside. And so we went to the Thrive Conference, five of us had a great time, and at the, in the very last session of the Thrive Conference, they gave away an Alaskan cruise. And I won. Like, I was like, what? What's going on? I, they called my name, and I, I won the cruise. And I was like, wow, my, our dog died on Thursday, and this happened on Friday. So I was like, okay, God's just be, being an extra blessing, because it was sad Thursday. And then Friday, we won an Alaskan cruise. So it was like, and this morning, as I was in my gratitude like, journal, I like, wrote down, hey, man, we had an awesome time at Thrive, and I, we won a cruise. And so I don't know if it looks like that for you, but, but man, just taking some time instead of worrying about stuff. And I, I can worry like crazy. If I, if, if I kind of move into the flesh, I, I am the best worrier here. Like I'll win the gold medal on worrying. But just gratitude. He says, I want you to pray with thanksgiving. And I also want you to pray specifically. I want you to present your request to God. Sometimes we think, and I, I found myself thinking this, like, there, there's certain things like, okay, this is a request I feel like I could say to God because it's kind of a spiritual one. But then you have a few other things in your life and it's like, oh, this. like, do I, and I, I literally prayed this the last few weeks. So we got a couple extra Taylor Swift tickets. I put them up for sale and I, I literally have started praying and I, I've debated like, am I allowed to pray for this? But I have. I've started praying, like, Lord, sell these. Sell these tickets. Sell these tickets. Lord, buy, bring somebody to buy these tickets. And, and, and we have them listed. But, but little things. Like, I'm praying for people's salvation, and I'm also praying that Taylor Swift tickets sell. And, and, and pray about things. Anything that's on your mind, on your heart, go to God with thanksgiving. Go to God with specific requests and pray. He's telling you, take everything to God in prayer. And the result, he goes on in verse 7, and he says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard like a soldier guards something valuable. And Paul understood this because he was literally being guarded. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you can't even understand it, will guard your heart. And mind in Christ Jesus. It, it, it doesn't say that the thing you're worried about will go away or get better. It doesn't say that. It might. It might get worse. But it says in the midst of it, as you pray, that there's this, this supernatural thing. And some of you, you've experienced this. In the midst of a really tough time, you've had this peace inside you that just doesn't make sense. It says, well, guard your heart. And your mind in Christ Jesus. And then he, he finishes up this part with uh, something that honestly we're not really good at. And, and here's what I mean. Many of us, we, we miss this next part of this passage. We, we know it. We've probably read it. But we miss what Paul's saying. And, and it's one of the reasons that we're anxious. And, and shame on guys like me. That kind of do what I do because 
we've been really good over the years at telling people what not to do, what not to think, but we haven't been as good at saying, hey, don't do this. This is hurtful. This isn't good. Stay away from that. But hey, as, as much as you're trying to stay away from these things and not think these things, you also need to put on something. You need to think these things. And so that's what Paul talks about. He says, okay, I've, I've told you not to worry. I've told you in the midst of your worry to, to take those worry, those thoughts that you have, those anxious thoughts, to take them to God in prayer. But then he says this, now let me talk to you about what I want you to put in your mind that will help you. And if you don't put these things in your mind, then, then you're still going to struggle a lot because this, this is all kind of part of the same thing. He says this, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. What do you mean? Honest, reliable, whatever's true. Whatever is honorable, the idea of something that's worthy of respect. Whatever is just, the idea that just means it's right by God's standards. Whatever is pure, shocker on this one, not mixed with impurity. So whatever's pure, Whatever is lovely, it means whatever, it promotes peace and harmony. And then he says, whatever is commendable. And this is the idea of positive and constructive. It builds up. If there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell or think about. Think on these things. Dwell on these things. So he said, hey, I've told you that, that worry isn't good. I've actually dealt with some relational issues. I've talked to some people that are struggling with some relationships. And, and it's in that same passage where he's talking about worry. And, and I've told you, hey, don't worry about anything. And I really meant anything. And I told you to pray about everything. And I really meant everything. I told you about how the peace of God will guard your heart and mind, even in the midst of things that make you worry. I've, I've talked to you about that, but now I'm, I, I want to talk to you about, hey, what do you need to put into your mind? What do you need to on purpose think about? And he gives us this list. Because Paul understands better maybe than anybody that, man, not worrying and not being anxious and being content doesn't happen by accident, even for the most spiritual person. It happens on purpose as we are obedient with our mind and we think on things that are true, honorable, and he, he walks us through that list. And then the last thing he says kind of in verse 9, to kind of close out this section, he says this, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and and heard from me and seen in me and the god of peace will be with you see paul he he understood the, the power of example he understood the power of the voices in our lives he understood the the power of the examples in our lives and so Paul says, hey, I've, I've talked to you about these things. I've tried to give you some really practical things to, to think about and what not to do, what to do with your worry, what to do with your anxiousness. But now I'm encouraging you, hey, if you need somebody with skin on to look at, you need an example, I'll be your example. 
I'm not your perfect example. I'm not Jesus, but, but I'll be your example. Because and whether we like it or not, and, and I think we would all be willing to admit this, but part of why we deal with worry and anxiousness the way we do is based on the voices we listen to and the examples we follow. So a few minutes ago, I asked you this question, this, this question that we're kind of dealing with. The question is simply this, why can't I stop worrying? And instead of Paul kind of throwing out this blanket answer of, hey, just believe Jesus more. Paul, he, he gives us, man, some really specific things and some really specific areas to evaluate that if we're willing to honestly evaluate these things in our life, there may be some hope and some help in the anxiousness that we feel, in the worry that we deal with, if we're willing to really evaluate these areas that he's talked about. He, he's talked about, about the, he said this, he said, I want you to evaluate your relationships. He talked very specifically about some relationships. And, and so the thing to ask yourself is, hey, man, do I, is, there, is there someone that I have something against? Is there someone I have something against? Is there anyone that has something against me that I know about? Romans 12, 18 says it this way. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. And so, for some of us, that, that anxious feeling, that worry, it's it's it's. Worse because there's some relational issues with people. And we maybe would have never pointed out, like, that's the reason that I'm anxious and I bite people's head off in these other areas. And I, these things that I shouldn't really worry about have actually become these huge things in my life, which they're not really a big deal. But because of these relational issues, I'm anxious. I'm on edge. And so evaluate. Is, is there any relational issues? The second thing he kind of encourages us to do is evaluate the, pray, the place prayer has in our life. Like when, when we begin to worry, how quickly do we pray? Paul, he says, hey, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about it. It should be your first and your last option. Like when I begin to worry even about small things, my first thought, my first choice, my first reaction should be to turn that worry into a prayer. Turn my wor that worry into a prayer to God. He, he then says, he, he talks to us about our thinking, and he says, hey, this is an area. As you think about relationships and you kind of evaluate prayer in your life, maybe it, it comes down to this one, just evaluating your thinking. It's hard to stop thinking about something if we don't have something to replace it with. And, and, and if we just started with the first thing in Paul's list, so if you remember the list that he gave us, he said, whatever is true. If we just started with that one. For, for most of us, the things that we're anxious about, the things that we're worried about, the things that keep us up at night, in a lot of cases, aren't even true things. There are things that might happen. There are worst case scenarios that might happen. There are things that maybe somebody feels about us that we have no proof, but we just think that. 
And and if we just started with that and said, you know what, I'm no longer, if it's not true, I'm not going to think about it. So when a thought comes into my mind that that is a worst case scenario or, or something that isn't true and it hasn't happened, it may never happen. Instead of dwelling on that, I'm going to replace it with what is true. I'm going to change my thinking. I'm going to evaluate my thinking. And I'm going to As I'm praying, I'm also going to replace that worry with things that are true and the other things that Paul lists. And then the last thing he talks about, as he kind of closes, he talks about examples. Evaluate your examples. So evaluate, and there's two things. What voices do you listen to? I'm convinced, honestly... That if most people would turn the news off and turn social media off, their anxiousness and anxiety would go down tons. Just people aren't willing to. If, if some people would like, like just turn Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, whatever flavor you like, whatever kind of flavor fits your political kind of realm... If we would just turn that off, they say the same thing every day for a week. So if you just watch one news program a week, you would probably be able to kind of stay up with things. But if we turned off some of that, and for those of you that, man, social media is, some, is kind of your addiction, and it's just, you don't, if you're waiting in a line, you're looking at social media. If you're by yourself, you're looking. If we would turn that off, our anxiety would go down way a lot. If we turned off some of those voices, it's not the only reason, but I think for a lot of people, if we turned off some of those voices and some of those examples that we follow, man, our worry and our anxiousness would go down. I, I did, I, for the month of January, I did, totally didn't, wasn't on social media. And you know what I didn't know? Here's two things I found out. When I turned it back on in February... Nothing that big had happened. I didn't miss much. And you know what else I found out? Man, I worried a lot less in January. Because I didn't know about the, the thing that happened in the African village here. and The thing that happened in Chicago. And this person got hit. Like all that news that's real stuff that we, yeah, it's, it's bad stuff. But, but we're bombarded with it. I didn't hear about all the, like your highlight reels that made my life like, look like it sucks. I didn't see that constantly. And so I didn't worry about it. And some of you, that's, that's the issue. If you just would, would say no to the idol of social media and the idol of politics and news, you wouldn't worry much. And I'm talking to myself, but I'm just being honest. Like, you probably wouldn't have to pray or do any of this other stuff if we just did that. And you're like, you're telling me not to pray? No, I'm not telling you not to pray, but you know what I'm saying. It, it, just, it just has a hold on so many of us. And so evaluate, because Jesus did not die on the cross so that you and I would have to walk through life enslaved to worry. His death and his resurrection is what provides freedom. Just imagine what your life might look like. If you're watching online, imagine what your life could look like if the chains of worry and anxiousness were broken. Instead of just trying to manage or distract yourself from it, what if you were free? What if the people you love the most could experience the same freedom as well? Some of your kids are so anxious and worried, and you know it, and it breaks your heart. 
And here's the thing, and we know this, this side of heaven, we're going to always have temptation to worry. And this side of heaven, we're going to find ourselves at, you know, going down that road, and it, it, we have to intentionally not, because it's, it's, you can't just turn it off. But because of Jesus, worry doesn't have to be in charge. It doesn't have to be our master. We can experience freedom because of Jesus. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here and there's, you know, maybe a couple different types of people here. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're investigating faith. You might be watching this online or you're listening to it at a podcast or, or you're here this morning and, and you're, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And man, you don't maybe understand all the ins and outs of Jesus and faith. But, but here's what I'm here to tell you, man, with every head bowed and every eye closed, man, the first step in this journey, the first and best step, is to start a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here this morning or you're watching and you'd like to do that, you can do that now. And and when you start a relationship with Jesus, literally the Spirit of God comes into your life and helps you through life. You say, Chris, how would I do that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, it's, man, just talk to God. It's pray. It's what we talked about. We just tell God through prayer what we believe in our heart. So if you're here or you're watching and you, you're saying, man, today I'd love to start a relationship with Jesus. And just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've disobeyed you. I admit to you I've done things my own way. Just tell him. And then just tell him, hey, I, I believe I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. Just tell him. And then just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching this, just invite him into that relationship. Say, God, I, yes, I, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life. Transform me from the inside out. And give me a home in heaven. Just tell them. If you're here this morning and you made that decision or you have questions about that decision, there's a decision card right in front of you. You can fill that card out, take it to the next steps table. You could drop it in the offering basket. And we would love to just make, call you this week, connect with you, answer any questions you have, and just really help you in your relationship with Jesus. For most of you that are watching or you're, you're here this morning, you, you might say, Chris, I'm, I'm already a follower of Jesus. I've already made that decision. Well, well, do you struggle with worry? Have you tried to distract yourself from it to no avail? And as we kind of have walked through Philippians chapter 4 this morning and we've kind of spent some time evaluating some areas of our life, has the Holy Spirit pricked your heart in any specific area? Like as you were listening, did you, did you feel the Holy Spirit pricking your heart? Maybe for you it was, it was a relationship that you just need to make right. Maybe for you it's, man, it's 
prayer is kind of the, the fifth thing on your list when you're worried and you're saying, no, for me, man, when you talked about that, Chris, the Holy Spirit pricked my heart and, and reminded me that that should be my first and last option to pray. Maybe it's the examples or what you're thinking. Maybe, I don't know what it was for you. Maybe for you, it's like, yeah, Chris, I just need to, I'm, a, I'm just going to take some time away from social media. What did the Holy Spirit say? How did he prick your heart? And, and what one step can you take this morning to gain freedom in the area of worry? What one step? As we close our service, I close in prayer. Our band's going to lead us in a song. Matt and Victoria are down front. And they're here to pray with you. If you, man, there's something you want to talk about, you want to pray about, you want someone to pray for you, they're here. They're going to be here for a few minutes after the service. Maybe for you, it's like, you know what, I don't, I don't really need to pray with anybody, but I just want to come down front and I just want to pray. It's kind of an act of dedication. God, I'm, I'm giving you something that I've been worried about. Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I would encourage you to say yes. God, I thank you that we don't have to walk through life anxious, worried, but we can walk through life with freedom. Not because of how good we are, not because of what we've done, but because you went to a cross, you died on that cross, you paid for our sin, you defeated the enemy, you rose from the grave so that we could experience freedom in every area of our life. And God, today I'm praying that you would remove the chains of anxiousness and worry that some people came into this room with. We know you're able. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.